Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's homily from the fourth Sunday of Lent is from Father Paul Koska. To support the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Today in the book of the prophet Joshua, we have the reality of the people of Israel returning to the promised land, coming into the promised land. And so there's this great celebration. The Lord himself says, I've removed the reproach of Egypt from you. This time of exile where the people of Israel were not in their land for hundreds of years is coming to an end in the first reading today. And so they celebrate the Passover, the memorial remembrance. They eat the produce of the land for the first time. And mysteriously, the manna ceases, the manna which had been with them all along their journey. But once they arrived into the land of promise, there's no more need for manna, for they had arrived to the place where the Lord was going to provide through the land rather than through this supernatural means. And so there's a sense of this same reality with us in in the sense that the Eucharist is manna from heaven. The Eucharist is food for the journey. But the Eucharist will not be present in heaven, nor will any of the sacraments. And so in the fullness of heaven, we won't need the sacraments because we'll, ha- we'll see the Lord face to face. We'll come into his presence face to face. And yet up until that time, we're on a journey, we're on a pilgrimage. That's why the Second Vatican Council talks about the church as the pilgrim people of God, because we are on a journey uh, until we enter into the fullness of heaven. And so the Eucharist is for us that manna from heaven, which allows us and helps us to be faithful to the Lord. It sustains us like it sustained the people of Israel. In the psalm today, we hear a number of different phrases used by the psalmist. He talks about blessing the Lord. He talks about praising the Lord. He talks about extolling and glorifying the Lord. The psalmist is relating to the Lord in such a way that is more than just petition. It's more than just asking the Lord to do something for him. Rather, the psalmist is inviting us and is proclaiming himself to be praising the Lord, to glorify the Lord, which means, in a sense, to tell the Lord who he is. And the catechism reminds us of this same reality, that while petition is part of the way that we pray, and it's an important thing to do, it is only one of the means of praying, one of the ways of praying. The highest way of praying, according to the catechism, is adoration and praise of the Lord, because we are telling the Lord who he is. And so it's something for us to consider. Do we actually have praise in our prayer, in our personal prayer? And if I was to look at my holy hour outside of the morning prayer that I did where there was some blessing and praise, if I just look to my own personal time during my holy hour today, if I reflect back on it, I didn't actually praise the Lord, right? So I get a a B minus maybe, probably a C minus, for my prayer today because I failed to do the highest form of prayer. Even though I was in adoration, right, I failed to actually adore the Lord. 
And so it's easy for us to do many things during prayer, but to fail to do the one thing that the Lord is inviting us to do, which is to praise him. And so we're invited to have praise and adoration, not just be something that we consider ourselves doing because we're in a chapel or we're in adoration, but we actually need to adore the Lord. And one way to do that, one simple way to do that is to simply say, Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, I adore you. Jesus, I glorify you. And so it's important for us to have all of the ways of praying be characteristic of our prayer. Otherwise, our prayer is not the fullness that it could be. Now, is the Lord mad at me because I failed to do that today? Well, no, not exactly, but I think the Lord desires me to grow and desires you to grow in the way that you pray. The praise of the Lord is important and it reminds us uh, of how powerful it can be when we do it because the result of the psalmist's prayer today is he says to look to the Lord and be radiant. And this flows into the second reading where St. Paul talks about the reality that whenever we're in Christ, we are a new creation. The old things have passed away and the new has come. And this proclamation is both a statement and a challenge to us, a challenge to live into, uh, to actually live the new life that the Lord has offered to us. And so we're invited to live into the new life in Christ Jesus, to allow our old habits that are fruitless to pass away and to allow the new to come. The other thing that's talked about in this second reading today is the ministry of reconciliation. And St. Paul reminds us that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And he makes the apostles, and St. Paul in particular, a minister of reconciliation. And St. Paul will describe himself as an ambassador for Christ. Now, ambassador is a term we're somewhat familiar with, yes? We have ambassadors in the United States. There's an ambassador uh, of the United States to assign to each uh, a majority of countries in the world in which we have diplomatic relations. And what do ambassadors do? They represent the head of state in a faraway place where the head of state cannot be physically all the time. Now, ambassadors today are important, but they are even more important in the ancient world in St. Paul's time. The difference now, obviously, is that the head of state can have immediate and direct communication with other heads of state via modern communication means. The other dynamic is that the heads of state today can also communicate with their ambassadors relatively easily and give them instructions telling them what to do. However, in the ancient world, the ambassadors that were assigned basically received instructions before they left, but then they had very limited communication with the emperor, for example, for long periods of time, and so they had much more autonomy even than the ambassadors do today. And so the ambassador was not just a messenger of the emperor. The ambassador in St. Paul's time was actually a person who could act in the name and in the person of the emperor in a faraway place. And so when you were talking to an ambassador, you weren't just talking to the messenger of the emperor, but you were actually talking to the representative of the, of the emperor, uh, the, the 
the Roman emperor, for example, and so he, that ambassador, had a significant amount of power that's even more than what we have today. And so when St. Paul refers to himself as an ambassador for Christ, it's not just that he's proclaiming a message of Jesus, but what he's saying is that he can actually, he represents Jesus in the present moment. He acts in the present moment to dispense the mercy of Jesus. The ministry of reconciliation is not just a message, but it's actually the power of Jesus flowing through his apostles. And this is part of the rationale for the sacrament of reconciliation, is that the priest is not just a messenger of mercy, even though he is that, but he is actually the person, he acts in the person of Jesus to communicate the mercy of Jesus in the present moment. And so we are called to be reconciled to God and to not remain separated from the fountain of life, to not remain separated from the Lord, but to be close to him. And Pope Benedict, just this week, talked about the importance of the sacrament of reconciliation in the life of the church. He was addressing a group of seminarians, and he reminded them of the importance of the sacrament of reconciliation. And so we want to heed the words of St. Paul, and we want to heed the words of our Holy Father today to realize the great gift of the sacrament of reconciliation, the great gift that is given to us that Jesus sends his ambassadors into the world and makes uh, him, himself be present through them so that we can receive the mercy of the Lord in our own time. Not wondering if we're forgiven, but realizing uh, in the person of the priest and through the ministry of the priesthood that God forgives us in Christ Jesus. And I can tell you myself that I went to confession this week right, because I need the mercy of the Lord. I need the grace of Jesus. And so we're invited uh, to take up the call to receive the mercy of God. And so I recommend to you, if you haven't been to confession, if you haven't been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation during the Lenten season, it's a good thing to do before Easter. It's a good thing to do before Holy Week. Holy Week, I think, is about two weeks. It's two weeks basically from today. It begins with Palm Sunday. And so I challenge you to go to confession before Palm Sunday, if you can. I'm happy to be available to you, feel free to reach out to me. The, my number and stuff is on the, the sheets, uh, the announcement sheets today, so feel free to reach out to me. It's an opportunity to receive the grace and mercy of the Lord. And the final thing that, from today's readings is the prodigal son. Again, reemphasizing to us the merciful love of the Heavenly Father. And the Father's willingness and generosity is abundantly communicated over and over and over again. The father willingly lets his son take his inheritance prematurely. The father then initiates going after the son when, as the son is returning. When he sees him far off, the father runs out to his son. The father also goes out and pleads with the older son, which he didn't have to do. He could have simply commanded the older son to come inside because his older son was on his property. He was in his house. And so his older son was dis actively disrespecting him. And yet the father even shows generosity to his older son who is ungrateful. And so the initiative of the father is 
over and over and over again. And the initiative of the Father is shown in the dignity by which he restores his younger son to his sonship. Rather than simply allowing him to come back as a slave, he restores the symbols of his sonship to his younger son, putting a ring on his finger, clothing him in a robe. So the father is abundantly generous to us. The father is abundantly generous to the prodigal son, and Jesus is telling us this story to remind us, to tell us of the father's love for us, the father's love and care for us, that he seeks us out, that he runs back to us, and that he not only does it for us, but then his desire is to be generous to the whole world, that we become ambassadors of the Lord, that we become generous as the Lord is generous to us. And that we're constantly called to be open to those that have left the Lord returning and, for, and to be okay with the Lord being generous to them, to be more generous to them in a sense or in our perception maybe than the Lord is to us. Because that's a challenge that the older son basically experiences is he says, I've been with you all this time and you've never slaughtered a fatted calf for me. You've never thrown a party for me. And so he's in a sense jealous of what the father is doing for his younger son. So we have to be open to the Lord being abundantly generous to people who are far off. So may we have the grace this week uh, to seek out the mercy of the Lord, to seek out the mercy of God present through as ambassadors, his priest in the sacrament of reconciliation. May we also have the disposition of the father and not of the older son, the disposition of the father to be abundantly merciful, to be ministers of the Lord's mercy, to be willing uh, to extend the mercy and extend the love of the, the heavenly father to all those that we encounter. And that the world might come to know the great gift of the Heavenly Father's mercy for us. And so I encourage you, challenge you uh, to live this message of mercy this week as we continue to seek the Lord.